conference is all about. All right, so let's, let's get into the word. We're going to go to 1 John this morning. We've been, we were talking about the, broken, the unbroken line. We're going to change gears a little bit this morning. We're going to talk about the future of our nation. America is a great nation. We are blessed. We are blessed to live in the United States of America. If, if you don't know that, if you don't realize how blessed you are to live in this nation, I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you've got in the bank. I don't care what the color of your skin is. I don't care where you came from. I don't care where you slept last night. If you don't realize how blessed you are to live in this nation, you live in some kind of a vacuum. This nation has its problems. It does. But we are blessed to live in the United States of America. Amen? We, we do have blots on our, on our history. We do have sinful things that have happened in this nation. But there have also been many wonderful things that have happened in this nation and as a result of this nation. America for over 100 years was the great sending force for, God, for, for the gospel, for missions. We've lost that, that status. We are no longer the sending power. South America, Asia, they're, they're out sending us. Amen. They're sending more missionaries, cross-cultural missionaries to the nations of the world. They're actually sending missionaries here, and we need it. We need it in America. We, we need an awakening. We need a revival. You know, there are, there are issues in our history. There are things. But you know what? I, I want our minds as a church to be open to, and, and to understand this. The, the, the powers that be will just term it that way. The powers that be will just term it over the next few years. Race war. We in the church won't participate. Amen? We won't participate. We won't participate in the divisive politics. We, don't, we won't participate, participate in the, these are the ploys of the enemy to destroy what good is in our nation. I'm going to tell you this, the good of America far outweighs the bad. We've had our wrongs, but we have also, we need to keep this in perspective. We have worked to right those wrongs. You look at slavery, for instance. It was a wicked thing. Keep in mind that 4% of the population owned slaves and that over half of our nation went to battle to end that. There were also those who worked hard and fought for the Underground Railroad. So all I'm asking you to do is let's keep a proper, balanced perspective. There were wrongs, and we have worked to right those. There was racism in our nation and segregation, and thank God for the civil rights movement. Thank God for all those leaders who stepped up and made a difference when it came to that. Amen? Let's not allow these wicked, and that's what they are, wicked politicians drag us back to those awful times. Amen? We will oppose that as a church. Amen? I don't care who you are. Like I said earlier, where you came from, what color your skin is, how much money you've got, you are welcome and you're a part of this family. Amen? Amen? We're all equal in God's kingdom. Amen? America is a great country, and it has been a great sending power. We, as I said, have lost that status. 
And I want to ask the question, what is the future of the United States of America? What is the future of the United States of America? I want us to look at something. I want us to look at what has affected our nation. Whether you believe this or not, America has greatly been established by Christian principles and philosophies, Judeo-Christian doctrine. That, that is the, the underpinning, the foundation of our nation. But those things have greatly slipped, especially in this generation. Especially in this generation, those things have greatly slipped in the United States of America. Why has that happened? I want to look at some scriptures, and, and I, I'm not going to be able to unpack this thing entirely today. I'm just going to give you a taste of it. I'm going to give you a glimpse, and we're going, we're going to be talking about many of these things for, for many days to come, many months to come. First John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, 1 through 6, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So it tells us to test the spirit. This is actually the, the, the gift of discerning spirits. We often mistern the, that and we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to continue to do that in our midweek devotional. We've also often mistermed one of the gifts. We call it the gift of discernment. Right? And we go around using that as our excuse to judge and criticize people that we don't like. That's not a spiritual gift. It is the gift of discerning spirits. That's the actual proper terminology for the gift, the gift of discerning spirits, whether they are of God or not. Do you realize that every one of you are standing, sitting in your seat this morning judging whether or not you believe what I'm saying? That's the reality of what's happening. Do you realize you stop doing that whenever music comes on? You sing all kinds of lyrics that you don't even understand what they're talking about. And you know what you're doing? You're opening yourself up to all kinds of doctrines and worldviews. We need to be a discerning people to discern whether or not things are truly of God's spirit or if they're of the spirit of the world. By this, you know the spirit of God Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is not from God, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. This, many of us are looking for the Antichrist. What we need to understand is that the spirit of Antichrist has been working since the days of the early church. It is in, in, in operation in planet Earth today. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We need to understand this. We talk about the moral majority, but we, we need to understand that we are actually Christians 
in the minority. Always have been and probably always will be. Having said that, God is always going to have a people. Amen? Amen? And we've got, to, we've got to stand for truth. You know when the church is productive? You know when the church bears fruit? It's when they boldly stand in the face of opposing spirits and declare the message of truth. That's when the church flourishes. The world is doing what the world does. Many of you are bent out of shape about it. I'm not. You know what I'm bent out of shape? Is when the church is acting like the world. Let the world do what the world does. They're, they're just doing, they're doing what they're supposed to do. But when we don't act the way that we're supposed to act, that's when we need to get worried. They're, they're, verse 5, they're, they're of the world, they're from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. How many of you know the world loves their own? And they hate us. Amen? The world hates us. About to get ahead of myself. Verse 6, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. How do we recognize Antichrist? The spirit of Antichrist. How many of you realize that it, it operates not only in, in, in the world, but it operates in the church? Amen. The reason I believe that America has lost its standing as the great sending nation is because we have allowed the spirit of Antichrist to enter into the church. Amen. What is the spirit of Antichrist? Literally, it means that which is opposed to Christ. Anything that stands in opposition to Jesus Christ, to his teaching, to his doctrine, is the spirit of Antichrist. We need to understand that many who have the spirit of Antichrist were once connected to the church. Going back in John, 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 19, he says, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. See, they, were, they, they, they attended church. They attended our meetings. They were a part of our fellowships. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, and none of them were of us. See, many of them come out of the church. But also, many of them are a part of the church. There, there are also many who have the spirit of Antichrist that still attend church. How so? How so? It's, it's a matter of worldview. It is a matter of worldview. Looking back at verse 6 of our text, 1 John chapter 4, verse 6, it says, that By this we know the spirit of truth, and the spirit of error. There, there are two worldviews there. That you have a worldview of truth, and you have a worldview that is in error. There are two worldviews. You need to understand this. There really are, there, and there are many worldviews. 
There are a lot of isms. There are a lot of isms, capitalism and communism, and we, we go down through a lot of isms, and there are ways that we view the world. But the reality is that every single one of those isms falls into one category or the, or the other, either the spirit of truth or the spirit of error, either the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. You know that, that, that word, when you talk about the kingdom of light, it would literally translate the kingdom of truth. And when we talk about darkness, the kingdom of darkness, that word darkness would tr translate as foolishness or error. There are two kingdoms. There are two worldviews. There are only two ways to look at life. It started in the Garden of Eden. Eve said, God has said. That was a worldview. God spoke I believe what he said. And then what did Satan do? He puts a question mark on it and he begins to say, has God said? Same words arranged in different order with different punctuation. God has said, period. Or has God said, question mark. Listen, in my life, I've learned to disbelieve anything that puts a question mark on the word of God. We need to dismiss anything that puts a question mark on the word of God. God's word is true. God's word is the source of truth. All truth comes from God. There, so there are these two streams that flow from Eden, two worldviews. Either God has said or has God said. And every philosophy, every ism, every worldview falls under one of those two categories. Either God has said or has God said. It is either of the spirit of truth or it is the spirit of error. In our culture today, there are three prevalent marks of the Antichrist worldview. Of a worldview that is in error. There are in our culture today three prevalent marks. Now, there are many marks and many ways that we err in our culture when it comes to our view of God, but there are three prevalent marks of, anti, of, of an antichrist worldview. They are, number one, a denial of God as creator. Number two, a devaluation of life. And number three, a demoralization of our culture. These are the three prevalent marks in our culture today, of an antichrist worldview. These worldviews are often manifest in our culture today in philosophies of evolutionary thinking, of abortion thinking, and of a sexually deviant mind. These things are at the forefront. How, how many of you realize that the, that the enemy comes as a, a messenger, an angel of light? How many of you figured out he's got his own publishing system? He's got his own message that he's broadcasting. He's putting out his view, his twisted, maligned, perverted worldview. He's putting it out. He's putting it out through the music that you are listening to, the movies that you're watching, the news programs that you are watching on Fox and on CNN, both. 
just so none of us get self-righteous about our news channels. <laughs> They're both putting out perverted worldviews that do not align with the word of God. Both of them, both sides, left and right, miss the mark. We need to understand that. We need to understand that. If you've got a problem with that, come talk to me. I'll explain it to you. I don't have time today. But these, these three ideas are ideas that if you haven't figured this out yet, the enemy is trying to shove on our society. Force feed it to us. Whether you like it or not, this is what you should believe. And if you don't believe it, you're small-minded. If you don't think this way, you're an idiot. If you, if you don't think this way, you're a bigot. You're hateful. If you don't agree with what we tell you, you have to believe. You're intolerant. You should be more tolerant. Great hypocrisy. So let, let, let's look at this. I, I want to quickly go through this. I'm that, and we're going to dive deeper into all these kind of things as we go through the next few months. But I, I want to look at this. Number one, evolution. This idea that it is a denial of God as creator. It is a denial of God as creator. Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, whoever sheds man's blood, by, man's, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. Or James 3 and 9, with it our tongue we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude or the likeness of God. And let me just pause there, go a little off subject here, but when, when you're speaking against a man, you're speaking against God. Do you know that? When we speak ill of someone, it is an attack on the one whose image they bear. We need to be careful about how we speak. We've talked about honor. We need to learn to honor all men, as Peter tells us. Apostle Peter says we need to honor all men. Not, not just the ones that are your color. Not, not just the ones that are in your socioeconomic background. Not just the ones that go to your church. But we need to honor all men. We do. Evolution, and I'm, I don't, I don't want to go too deep into evolution today, but evolution is a worldview that denies God as creator. We go through the tenets of evolution, and they are literally attacks on the idea that God created this world and mankind. We won't do that today, but you could do that. Number two, abortion thinking. Think, think about this, 18% of pregnancies in the United States of America every year, 18% of all pregnancies end in an abortion. That's one in five. 600,000 plus every single year in the United States of America. It's wicked. It needs to be said, it is wickedness. It is wickedness. It is not reproductive 
health care. It is not reproductive health care. The idea that the slaughter of the unborn is, an, is about, un, about reproductive health care is a sadistic lie from the pit of hell. It is an antichrist worldview that has inculcated this generation. It is not birth control. It is not health care. It is murder. And it needs to be said. Life begins at conception. That's clear all throughout Scripture. We don't have time to teach through all that today. We will do this. We are going to deep dive into all this. I'm just trying, right now, I want to get you to, to understand this, that there is this worldview that is being crammed on us, forced on us. We are being backed into a corner that says, if you don't believe this way, you are small-minded. And it's not time for us as a church to cower, to back down, to be quiet about this. It's time for us to speak up about it. I believe abortion in America is actually one of the greatest systematic onslaughts of racism in our culture. And there is systematic racism in, in ways in our culture. We need to acknowledge that and not be ignorant of that. Most people that I know aren't racist, but we can be very insensitive. We need to shut up about some of this stuff and listen more often and learn We've got our, we're entrenched in ideology that, quite frankly, does not match up with statistics on both sides, left and right. I'm not picking on any, in, any political view right now. We get entrenched in, in, in worldviews that we think are right, and they don't line up with Bible, and they don't line up with truth, they don't line up with statistics. You know how many, what, what percentage of America is African American? 13%. Do you know what percentage of abortions in America are African-American? 33%. They are purposefully abortion clinics placed in minority neighborhoods. They were started by eugenicists and racists. Planned Parenthood was started, and I may get kicked off of Facebook right now, but I don't quite frankly care. Come to church. Come to church and listen. The truth needs to be spoken. I won't let those idiots censor us. Amen. We got to stand up and we got to be bold and declare truth. Amen. Nearly 60%, the majority of abortions are committed against minorities. Wake up. Wake up, America. We've got to wake up. We've got to wake up. But this abortion mindset that we have in America, it is an anti-Christ, anti-life worldview. Third worldview, the demoralization of a culture. We are being inundated with sexuality, and it is destroying a generation. We need to understand that sex is beautiful. Sex is glorious. It is wonderful. It is God's design. It is both for the procreation and also for fulfillment and enjoyment in marital relationship. God designed it for those two purposes. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And the enemy has perverted it and twisted it. We need to understand that anything, anything outside of a marriage covenant between a man and the woman sexually is perverse. 
It is wicked. It will corrupt your soul. It will destroy your life. Proverbs chapter 6. I'm just going to give you what the Bible says about this. If you hate the message, you hate the word of God. I'm going to give you the Bible. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does this destroys his own soul. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is, is outside of the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Ephesians 5, verses 3 through 7, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes 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 upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. That's clear. That's clear. There's no ambiguity about it. It is clear. If you say that God is not opposed to sexual immorality, you either have not read your Bible or you're choosing a spirit of antichrist that rejects the truth of God's word. That's just some of the scriptures. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 through 5. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess your own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. Hebrews chapter 13 Verse 4, marriage is honorable among all, and the bed is undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. The Bible's clear. It's very clear. About adultery, about fornication, about homosexuality. I haven't even read the scriptures about that. If you want to argue that point, first go read 1 Timothy chapter 1. Go read 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Go read Romans chapter 1, and then we'll have a discussion. I'm not going to argue with you about it. I'm going to point you to what the Word of God says about it. Because what I think about it does not matter. It doesn't. What you think about it doesn't matter. God's Word is the final answer. That's the only thing that matters. What God says about it matters and what we think about it does not he is god all alone i want want you to understand this there's this idea that that for some reason god just did away with with all of the law and all of morality because it's been fulfilled jesus fulfilled it at the cross that's what people say he did fulfill the law and specifically you know that's speaking of the part of the law that, that dealt with the, Le, Le, Levitical uh, priesthood, the washings and all the rituals, he fulfilled that. 
the ritual law, the civil law, that was for, Jew, for Israel, for the Jews. But don't think for a minute that the moral law of God, all of a sudden God said, you know what, That's, that really wasn't a good idea. I've changed my mind on that. <laughs> Do you know the moral code, the moral law of God is still in full force and full effect? He didn't just say, oh, you know what, the Ten Commandments, that was a, that's, that's an archaic idea. I think I've changed, I've, I've evolved in my thoughts on that. It's okay, go ahead and murder someone. It's okay. Really, is that the way, are we going to let our thinking devolve to that much depravity? That's what many Christians do. We've lost backbone. We've lost conviction. We've lost moral conviction. We're, it's like the Bible said about, about the, the, the people of God in Hosea. He said, they're, they're a deceitful bow. In other words, it's a, it's a bow that the string is slack. And when they shoot the arrows, they can't hit the target. Because the, the bow is so slack. In another place, he said, you're, you're like a, a cake half baked. You're only done on one side. God wants to flip you over. So you'll be well done. God wants to tighten the bow. God wants to make you a person of moral fortitude, moral integrity, of a worldview that's consistent with the word of God, not based on your opinion, not based on what Fox is telling you, not based on what CNN is telling you, not based on whether or not Facebook is going to censor you or not, not based on whether or not your next door neighbor is going to love you or not. It is not unloving to get up and read these scriptures You know what's unloving? To read these scriptures and see the damnation to those that refuse to repent and not preach this gospel message. That's unloving. To not speak the truth. To not say what God's word said. That is unloving. But we want to get, be cute and we want to flirt and we want to participate in this nonsense. And that's what it is, this nonsense. This last month of June was nonsense. Pride month. It's nonsense. It's crept into denominations all across America. It's nonsense. This is why we've lost our effectiveness. As one of the great atheists said, that he's, this, this is the words of an atheist. He said, the reason that I find Christianity so hard to believe is because of the behavior of the Christian. That's an atheist. Men of contrast make a difference in this world. Only a man of contrast, a woman of contrast can save souls. My wife's father says it all the time. How can a man who's bound tell another bound man to go free? If your hands are tied, you can't save a drowning man. We need the freedom that is in Jesus Christ. Jesus has not freed us so that we can participate and sin like the, the world sins. He's saved us from our sin to, to, unto righteousness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not the self-righteous, but the righteous in Christ Jesus. And if we don't stand up and take our place and live as God has called us to live, we can't help anybody. You know what a lot of Christians think? That God sent fire down on Sodom and Gomorrah because of homosexuality. You don't want to know why? God judged Sodom and Gomorrah. He tells us. 
Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49, he says, Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride. And we want to celebrate Pride Month? Pride. It was their refusal to repent of their sin that destroyed him. Pride. Fullness of food. Hello, Food Network. Hello, obese nation. Hello, gluttonous. Abundance of idleness. I'm just describing the American dream right here. (laughs) Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor or the needy. They were haughty, committed abomination before the Lord. Therefore, I took them away as I saw fit. So I spent the last, I don't know, 20 minutes or so Hopefully I have provoked your thinking. Do you have the mind of Christ? Or has the spirit of Antichrist put a clamp on your brain? Do you align with the word of truth? Spirit of truth or the spirit of error. I believe this. The reason that the American church is so unproductive is because we have wholeheartedly embraced error, deception, the lies of the enemy. I reject it. So what's the what's what's the hope for America? One sociologist said when he was a child, he grew up in New York, and he would see these out in the ocean, these massive vessels sailing by. And after they passed, the waves would begin to come in. I was out on the boat with the Spicers last night. Those cargo vessels would pass by. They would be up the river where we couldn't see them, but the waves would hit us. That's the picture. The sociologist said that's what's happened to America. America has already fallen. The waves are just beginning to come in. That's a reality. That's a reality. So what's the future of America? You know what? I've I've determined I'm not going to leave the future of America in the hands of corrupt, wicked politicians on the right or the left. For me, you know where the future of America lies? Right here on these shoulders. It's on our shoulders. I'll never let a a politician dictate to me when I can preach and when I can't preach. What I can say or what I can't say. I'll be in jail before I ever get censored. I'm going to tell you this nonsense that we see on Facebook, it's not true censorship. There's a day coming when they're going to be putting us in jail in America. That's a reality. Is God done with America? 
Let me, let me give you three verses and then we're going to be done. Rachel, would you please come? I believe what happens to our nation is determined by how we live our lives. Not the world. Church. My father-in-law says all the time that the church is the thermostat for the world. For, or he says that the church is the thermostat for any nation. You look at the fruit of the nation, it reveals to you what the church is. I, I want to see hundreds of missionaries sent to the foreign fields. That, that's part of the reason we're doing a return conference in October. I want to inspire this church to engage in missionary. I hope that some of our teenagers are called. I hope that some of the adults in this church are called to go to the mission field over the next few years. If not permanently, to go give your life, to sow your life into a nation, to at least go on a short-term missions trip. You know, we need, we need a different outlook on the immigration crisis that we have in our nation. We need a different perspective. I think we can begin to change that perspective by seeing them as the mission field coming to us. Many of you, many of you hate the fact that they're coming. You need to change your mind. We, we have a problem with immigration. You know what the problem is? That we don't hold our politicians accountable. That's what the problem is to build this system. America is great because of immigration, because of our diversity, because Italians, Africans, South Americans can move to this nation. They can build businesses. They can build great lives. That's what really makes America great. We need to have a heart of compassion. Don Crabtree, one of our friends, he's, he's been here in our church. If you don't know him, he, he was the guy that was up there with the, the big white beard. He is setting up, a, he, he, he built a, he bought, purchased recently in the last few months, he, he purchased a big warehouse that he is working on building out to minister to those immigrants. They, they recently uh, purchased a sonogram machine because they, they're, they're intending to set up a sexual trauma ministry facility. I can't remember the proper term, that's my best Try at it. They're going to minister to these women who have been sexually abused by coyotes, these traffickers, these human traffickers. They've been raped, many of them, and left for dead in the desert. And Don and his family plan to minister to them through their trauma, reach to them with the gospel of Jesus. That's his vision. We need a different perspective about the crisis that's at our border. We do. Let, let me give you three verses here real quick. First thing I want to say is that we need to begin to pray like never before for this nation. We need, we need to have, the, the enemy has caused many to hate this nation. If you live here, 
You need to learn to love this nation. Warts, pimples, wounds, scars, nasty sins and all. As well as the beautiful things about this country. We need to learn to love this nation. We need to pray for this. Listen to what Jeremiah says, Jeremiah 29, verse 7. He says, seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away into captivity and pray to the Lord for it, for its peace, for in its peace you will have peace. We need to pray for the place of our citizenship. The Bible instructs us to do this. We need to pray for America. I want America to prosper. If America prospers, my generations can prosper. I want there to be peace in this nation. I want my kids to have liberty, joy, peace, freedom. Many of the things that I enjoyed growing up, I want them to experience. I want to pray for the continued prosperity of this nation. Our determination to do this or not do this will make or break this nation. Will America last another hundred years? If the church doesn't pray, we are heading for sudden destruction. That's a reality. That's a reality. We need to pray for our country. If my people, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. That, that phrase just really stands out. Turn from their wicked ways. That stands out to me big time. As long as we keep watching the movies that we're watching and talking the way that we talk, treating people the way that we treat people, if we continue to get involved in the sexual sins, the drunkenness, the fullness of bread, pride, failing to strengthen the hands of the needy. As long as we continue in our sin, coming to church is just a religious form that is powerless. Church, would you stand with me? I've got another verse I'm going to forego. I want to focus on this verse right here. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I'm going to hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. One two, three, four. There's four things in that verse. If you're willing to do those four things, I want you to join me in this altar. Number one, humble yourself. Number two, pray. 
Number three, seek the face of God. And number four, turn from your wicked ways. Let's seek the face of the Lord. Let's pray. Let's humble ourselves. Some of us need to leave some things here at the altar today. Mindsets, habits, things that have you bound, things that are corrupting your soul. You, you know it is, and you need to leave it here today. You need to walk out free and full of the Holy Spirit, ready to go out and do God's work. Nothing uncovering you, nothing hindering you. Church, I just want to encourage you today, leave it at this altar today. If you've got mindsets that you know are opposed, if you've got things that are, like I said, the enemy has clamped down on your mind, he's got your way of thinking, and you know that, invite the Holy Spirit to come to renew your mind. Many of you need to get into the Word. You need to dig into the Word. If you're not in the Word, the enemy is robbing you. The Word is life. The word is strength. There's wisdom in God's word. There's direction in God's word. There's help in God's word. There's hope in God's word. Everything that you need is in the word of God. Dig into it. Dig into it. Build the foundation of God's word. If you need help, you say it's too big of a book. I can't comprehend it. I don't understand it. I don't know where to start. Come see me. I'll help you get into the word. I'll show you where to start. I'll help you to begin to understand 
a pastor that will do that. I'll invest in you. If it means you're going to get into the Word, I'll invest that time. I'll spend that time with you. We need to get into God's Word. That's why our, our thinking is so corrupt. It's influenced by television. It's influenced by neighbors. It's influenced by the professors. It's influenced by everything but the Word. We need a biblical worldview, a Christ-centered worldview. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, we lay mindsets before you right now. Father, we ask, renew our minds, renew our thought process, Lord God. Lord, retrain our minds, reprogram our minds, Lord God. May we truly have the mind of Christ. Father, may we not be ruled by a mindset of this world by a mindset of error, by a mindset of darkness, Lord God. But take control of our thoughts. Lead us, guide us, O oh God. Father, may the meditation of our heart be upon your word, upon your law, day and night. Lord, that we might bear fruit in our generation, that everything that we would touch would prosper, Lord God. Father, renew us, cleanse us, cleanse us, wash us, Lord God. Wash us, Lord God. Renew us in the name of Jesus for your glory, for your purpose. Father, we pray for our nation. Father, touch this nation, oh God. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we pray for Joe Biden. Father, I pray for his health. I pray for his mind. Strengthen him. Lord, convict him. There are many ways, Lord, that he opposes you. Convict him. Convict him, Lord. Bring the conviction of the Holy Spirit to his life. Open his mind to understand the truth of your word. Father, take the blinders off of his eyes. Father, we pray for our president right now in the name of Jesus. We pray for the vice president. We pray for our senators. We pray for our, our representatives, Lord God. Father, I pray that you would bring a re renewal in, in the houses of D.C., Lord God, that revival would break forth, Lord God. Bring prayer meetings and Bible studies to Capitol Hill, Lord God. Father, break those men down. Humble them, Lord God. Everyone who opposes you, everyone who opposes your way, Lord God, build their lives upon the rock of Christ Jesus. Build their lives upon your word, O oh God. Father, restore our nation, Lord God. Father, right the wrongs of our nation, Lord God. Lord, lead this nation in paths of righteousness, Lord God. Raise up leaders who will make godly decisions, Lord God. Raise up a leadership, Lord God. And Father, I pray that you would change the mind of a generation, the mindset of a generation that is opposed to you, that has a spirit of antichrist, Lord God. Father, you will have a generation amongst the millennials. You will have a remnant who will serve you, who will trust you completely. Father, strengthen us. Strengthen us. Strengthen us.
Here's what I want to do. I just sense this. Let's, let's all stand. Let's lift our hands to heaven. Let's lift our heads and our eyes to heaven. I want to pray this prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, fill us full of the Holy Ghost. Father, let your nature permeate our being. Lord, empower us. Empower us by your spirit so that we can operate in the gifts that you have deposited in us, Lord God, that we might be effective in ministering in this generation. May the fruit of the spirit manifest in us, Lord, that the divine nature of Jesus Christ, the attributes would be the fruit of our life. Father, give us boldness. Give us boldness. Let us shine as lights in darkness. Father, let us not compromise. Let us be a people of conviction. Conviction not based on the ideas of man, but based upon the truth of your word. Make us a people of conviction. Make us a people of compassion. Lord, you are a God of wrath. And there's judgment coming for all those who refuse to repent. But I'm thankful that I know that you are a God of mercy and a God of grace because we're all worthy of that judgment. I thank you for your loving kindness towards us. I thank you for your compassion towards us. Father, when we see those in this world living lives that are sinful, Father, I pray that our first instinct would not be rage and anger and wrath. But maybe we demonstrate your character, kindness, long-suffering, not willing that they would perish. Fill our hearts with compassion for the unbeliever, Lord God. Help us, Lord God. Strengthen us together. Strengthen us together in Jesus' name. Strengthen us together in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for it. I give you praise for it. Lord, you are awesome. You are awesome. Hallelujah. I want you to thank God for this nation that we live in. I want you to thank God for your generations. Amen. You guys continue. Rachel, you can sing. You are dismissed if you need to go. Continue to pray. Continue to seek. I'm going to minister to this young lady.